Hi there, it's Lucia, host of the Witch Money podcast here. Before we start today's episode, I just wanted to tell you about a really handy new tool from us here at Witch, and even better, it's free. It's called My Money Health Check. All you need to do is answer a few quick questions about your finances, and then we'll do the rest, pointing you towards our brilliant witch advice that we think you'll find really useful. Once again, that's My Money Health Checks. If you want help with cutting your bills or making your money go further, it's the place for you. Just head to witch.co.uk forward slash My Money Health Check. Welcome to the Witch Money Podcast, your weekly hit of money news and personal finance hacks to help make you better off. I'm your host, Lucia Ariano, and here's what's coming up this week. We all know that there are far more immediate demands on our budgets right now, and some people are, are having to make really difficult decisions to to work out where, where they can cut back. You're going to have to bear with me now as I talk through some figures which are frankly quite scary. More than one in 10 people, so about 12% of people think they're never likely to retire at all, which is which was quite shocking um, when, when I read that. How often do you think about retirement? With a cost of living crisis and inflation on the rise, the idea of saving enough money to enjoy a comfortable lifestyle later in life may seem like a long way off. But how much do you really need to enjoy life once those working days are over? And how much do you need to put away each month to get you there? Well, this week, we've crunched the numbers for a deep dive into the real cost of retirement. And with me today, I have Which Money podcast regular Jenny Ross and Paul Davies, principal researcher and writer here at Witch. Thank you both for joining us. Hello, good to be back. Yeah, hello. So so let's get into it then. The secret to saving for a comfortable retirement. It should be said that it is all too easy to think of your pension as something that's an issue for your future self. I know I've been very guilty of that myself, but there's a lot to be said about keeping on top of it from whatever stage you're at, isn't there? Absolutely. I mean, there's no getting away from it. Your future self is really going to thank you if you if you plan ahead. Um, you've got to remember that life expectancy is increasing. This means that potentially retirement can be several decades long. So you're going to have to think ahead and make sure you've got enough savings to, to last you. Um, of course, the, re- the, the reality is that not all of us are thinking about the long term and our pension on a daily basis. And there is a real engagement problem here. Pensions, Mm. all too often, they can just feel uh, too complicated, too abstract. And it just just makes it all the more easy to, to sort of fall into that more passive approach, um, like far more far more passive than any other savings goal, really. Like if you were saving for a holiday, you're going to be checking that part, seeing how it's growing, making sure you're on track. Mm. Yes. Yeah, so, so the trouble is that that can store up problems for, for, for further down the line. You, you really don't want to get to the age of 60, say, and suddenly realise you're way short of your target and you don't really have an awful lot of time to, to improve your situation. And that is why starting contributions as early as possible, trying to keep tabs on on your pension pots because you've probably got several if you've been in, in several different jobs. Um, that's why it, that all of that can really pay off. But yeah, the reality is that that is easier said than done. So yeah, Jen is absolutely correct here. 
on on this podcast, we're going to be looking about how much you'll need to fund your retirement. But before you get that stage, you 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 got to ask yourself how much you actually have and what your your current mm. provision is, and that's quite hard to keep track of. Um, we know that the average person is mm. expected to have 11, 11 different jobs in their lifetime. And that, that can mean 11 different pots. If you're moving around, you're, you're taking your different pots with you. And that's that's really hard to keep track of. I saw some figures from Hargreaves Lansdowne the other day saying that already nearly 30% of us have three or more pensions. And among younger people, um, that's 35%. So we're talking about people under 35 have already got three or more pensions. And as they move for their career and move to different jobs, they're going to have lots of pensions and keeping track and even knowing how much money they've saved into their pension is, is really hard. And, you know, the situation should improve in a few years when we have the pension dashboards, which... We've been talking about that for a while on the podcast, haven't we? But it hasn't come about just just quite yet. Not yet. You're right. It was first announced in 2016. It's being tested at the moment. The first time that us as savers and consumers will be able to access it, it should be in 2024, but that's even, mm. even two years away. So that's that's what we're building towards. And that'd be great because you see everything in one place. You'll, you'll have updates, you'll have running totals. But until then, it's really difficult and it's, it's tough to know what position you're actually in. Now, now, you might remember that on the podcast a few weeks ago, we discussed pension payments and the impact cutting your contributions could have in later life. Do go back and have a listen if you haven't already. It's something that understandably many people have been considering, given the financial strain from the pandemic and inflation. And according to pension provider Scottish Widows, 11% of UK adults have already cut back or stopped their pension contributions because of rising costs, which equates to £2.5 billion. Jenny Paul, what's your response to so many UK pensions taking the hit? It's it's obviously a concern, especially because many people just aren't saving enough for retirement anyway, even before they were cutting their contributions. But at the same time, it, it is not a huge surprise. We all know that there are far more immediate demands on our budgets right now. And some people are, are having to make really difficult decisions to um, to work out where, where they can cut back. But as we said on um, on the episode a few weeks back, cutting your workplace uh, pension contributions can also mean forfeiting your employer's contributions too. And effectively, that means you're giving up free money. So it's it's something you really need to think carefully about before before going down going down that route, um, especially because if, if you are deciding to cut back um, or stop contributions altogether, then there's a risk that you're going to forget to start them again, even if things are a little bit um, easier uh, financially. So if, if you do duck out of your workplace pension, you, you get re-enrolled every three years. Even then, you know, three years is, is a pretty significant amount of time to, to not be paying anything to your, to your pension and is ultimately going to have a fairly sizable potentially impact on how much you end up with later on. Yeah, I, I completely agree with Jenny. Is it surprising that people are cutting back on their pension contributions? No. Is it worrying? Yes, it is longer term. So so if you think that someone will need to generate, say, 50 or 100 pounds to, to meet higher utility bills or or the cost of their shop, where, where are they going to produce that money from? You know, w- would they cut back on Netflix or their Sky subscriptions or maybe they go out for a meal once a week? Will they cut back on those things to generate that 100 quid? Or the 100 quid that's going into their pensions, which is going gonna, is gonna to pay them pay for those items 40 years hence or 30 years hence in retirement, 
which is we will seem like a long time off and not not such a bad thing to cut those contributions now but obviously that's that's not a great long-term decision but when you're faced with these pressures it, it's it's understandable let's also hear on this some advice from pension and retirement expert helen morrissey from the investment firm hargreaves lansdowne here she goes into why we should take a longer term view when thinking about whether to reduce our contributions it's not just your contribution that's going into this pension, it's your employer contribution and it's the government contribution as well. And basically that is invested in the stock market where over time it benefits from investment growth. So by the time you get to retirement, you know, the amount of money that you've actually put in should actually be dwarfed by the amount that you, you actually end up with regards to pension because it's it's grown so much over that long term. Now the concern is, is that if you um look to stop contributing to a pension and you are missing out on those all important contributions particularly early on in your career and you might find that you you're several thousand pounds down if you, even if you took you know a year out from contributing to a pension by the time you got to retirement you could find that you're several thousand pounds down in terms of how much pension you've got than a colleague who maybe managed to to continue contributing throughout their working life Okay, so let's get into what an ideal pension would look like, here at which we recently revealed the results of our huge annual survey on the cost of retirement. Every year we ask 1,000 real retirees about spending habits to help answer two key questions when it comes to planning retirement. How much income will you need and how much money will you need to save in advance to deliver that income? Paul, before we drill down into the figures, how do this year's results compare to previous years, given the financial turmoil many Many of us are facing. So looking at the spending figures from this year, um, and I must state at this stage that the re- research was carried out in April, so a few months ago, and I think the, the, the real cost of living pressure has, has ramped up since then. But already mm-hmm. we can see that couples, for example, were spending about a third more on utilities, so up to £3,000 per year on mm-hmm. utilities. And we know that's going to go up as, as the year progresses. They were, they were spending more on housing payments, for example, council tax, rents, mortgage payments, which have gone up. And the the increased expenditure on food was just starting to come through in, in April. Um, so already we could see spikes in, in certain areas. People were, were spending more on on holidays, whether it be short short haul trips to Europe or long-haul trips overseas. Obviously, this is very much a, a COVID issue and a COVID feature in that people were, were bouncing back to, to taking overseas trips. Mm-hmm. That said, the, the, the recent problems on travelling and the airports might dissuade some people, but there was definitely a, a return to spending on um, on holidays uh, for some people. But spending patterns are going to be very fluid this year with um, obviously lots of different items going going up rapidly in price. So can we tackle the, the first of our big questions then? How much income do you need a month in retirement? We've all probably got a fairly good idea of our regular monthly outgoings at the moment, but what about the spending habits of the, the retirees we spoke to, Jenny? 
So as Paul touched on there, we asked uh, retirees how much they typically spend on different categories. And that was everything from groceries and utilities, the essential stuff, um, to the nicer things like leisure and and Mm. holidays. We then grouped these categories together into three different bands and totted up the amount spent on each one to come up with three different retirement income targets. So first up, we've got the essential target, which works out as £12,000 a year or £1,000 a month for people living alone or £19,000 a year. That's uh, just over £1,400 a month for couples. And that th- those amounts cover food and drink, housing payments, transport, utility bills, insurance, phone, broadband, clothes and shoes. Then the next step up from that is the comfortable target, which is £9,000 a year or fourteen around £1,400 uh, a month for single people or £28,000 a year, uh, just over £2,300 a month for couples. That amount is designed to capture all of the areas of essential spending that I just ran through, plus regular short haul holidays, recreation and leisure spending, uh, tobacco and alcohol and charity giving. And then finally, the, the, the top tier includes all of those categories uh, in the essential and the comfortable bands, plus uh, extended and long haul holidays, health club memberships, home improvements, private health care and a new car every five years. And what you're aiming for there is a pretty punchy £31,000 a year for uh if you're living alone, uh, so that's just over two and a half mm. grand a month, or forty-five thousand pounds a year, uh, three thousand seven hundred fifty pounds a month, if you are part of a couple in retirement. They, they don't sound like a huge amount. They might be in line with what you are maybe earning if you're still working. That might, you know, be equivalent to your salary at the moment. But we've obviously got to think about the fact that this is income that you need to generate from your retirement savings and it's income that you're going to need to generate as I mentioned at the top of the pod um potentially year in year out over the course of a maybe mm-hmm. 30 year retirement so when you look at it in that um in that context it it, it does seem like more more of a challenge to to, to achieve those numbers Well, now, naturally, I'm sure listeners are are now wondering, how can I reach those targets? Well, a key part of this conversation is around the different elements that can make up an income in retirement. It's something we call pension income building blocks. Paul, can you talk us through it? Okay, you're going to have to bear with me now as I talk through Mm. some figures, which are frankly quite scary. Mm. Um, So as we break down those figures, it should be a little bit more reassuring in that these targets that we're we're hoping that people can reach are achievable but if if we look at Jenny's figure of £28,000 for a couple to uh, achieve a comfortable retirement if we start off with that number there's there's some help that you get from the government in terms of the state pension when you reach the state pension age which is is currently 66 going up to 67 so the, the full level and new state pension is is currently about 185 pounds per week so that's about nine and a half thousand pounds per year or just over nineteen thousand pounds per year as a couple so we have to say at this stage that not everyone will get that um 
£185 per week. It might be slightly more, it might be slightly less, depending on on, another, on a series of factors which um, are to do with the additional state pension and contracting out. So, but it's, it's a good figure to use as um, as an illustration of what you will get from the state pension. So, so back to our figure of £28,000 a year, and that's after tax. So we're, we're looking for you to, to have that money to use after tax. So we can say that as a couple, just over £19,000 per year will come from the state pension. So you'll have to produce around £10,000 in your private pension uh, per year. So that's the, the pensions that you, you build up through your, your various um, employment over the years. For the luxury level of retirement achievement, so that was £45,000 per year as a couple. Again, just over £19,000 from the state pension. And as a couple, you'd need to generate £31,000 per year in terms of private income. And so we know that lots of people actually use something called pension drawdown to to manage their money in retirement. That's where you keep your money invested. It, it's in a pot. It will you can add contributions still. It will grow in terms of investment returns. But to again to achieve forty five thousand pounds as a luxury level with thirty one thousand pounds coming from non state pension, you need a drawdown pot at the outset, so say at age 65, of about £470,000. So that's that's a huge target to, to be aiming for. Is that to get, is that combined, Paul? Is that, is that £470,000 between two people if you're, if you're a couple? Yeah, again, that's, that's slightly more reassuring in that you both have built up um, pension provision over the years. For the comfortable level, the, the, the lower figure of £28,000, that pension drawdown pot is about £145,000. That sh- you know, probably should be your initial target to to aim for covering essentials. And if you can if you can save more over the years, if you can build up um, more more pension funds, then you can expect, a, a, I guess, a nicer retirement with more holidays and more enjoyable stuff. So that's that's in terms of your your private pensions. And here here we're really talking about so called defined contribution pensions, where you put money into an investment pot, you make contributions, so does your company. At the end of your working life, you you have a set amount, or depending on how your investments are done over years, how the contributions have built up. And then it's down to you how you convert the money. So you can, in some circumstances, you can take it as a lump sum, but you'll take, pay tax on that. You can arrange an annuity that provides guaranteed income um, for the rest of your life. Or as I say, you can use something called pension drawdown, where it basically stays invested. It will hopefully continue to grow. And then you can dip into that pot at various stages of your retirement. So that's defined contribution pensions. There's also something called defined benefit pensions or final salary or career average pensions. So if you worked as a teacher, worked in the NHS, um, worked in local government or in some private sector companies, you will have one of these pensions. And these are so-called gold-plated pensions, uh, which are becoming less common, less prevalent. But in this instance, you you get the guaranteed pension payout for the rest of your life. And looking at some stats from from earlier this year, around 60% of people have still got final salary pensions. Again, mostly pointed towards public sector pensions. 
but the average payout is £15,000 per year. So looking at some of our high targets, this will provide a, a great chunk towards that. So if you have got a final salary or career average pension, you, you're, you're in a pretty good position to start off with. All, all of these figures look at your, your pension provision. It, it may be that you have other investments or other cash savings that you can dip into in retirement. But these might be um, funds that you use for a rainy day. You might use your your pension savings as your core um, fund to live on in retirement. But it, it may be that you have other other savings and investments that you can dip into. So where does this leave us in terms of how much we need to put aside each month? Whether retirement's just around the corner for you or you're in your 20s, whatever position you're in, how can you work out how much you need to save per month? Well, first of all, it's it's worth making this simple but pretty obvious point that the sooner you start saving for retirement, the better. Your money is going to have longer to grow. That said, though, it's really never, never too late either. Um, it, it is tricky to give sort of prescribe set amounts to to save each month because everyone's circumstances are different and importantly our circumstances change so it you know it's unlikely that we're going to be making the same level of contribution month in month out over the course of a potentially 40 year uh, career but under auto enrollment um which you which means you'll be automatically enrolled in a workplace pension if you are over the age of 22 and earning at least 10,000 pounds a year under those rules, the minimum contribution to your pension is 8% of your earnings, uh, of which 5% comes from you and 3% comes from your employer, which is great. Auto-enrolment means that far more people are now saving for retirement. It doesn't necessarily mean they're saving enough. And the reality, the reality is that you're going to need to aim to save more than that minimum amount to, to achieve the comfortable retirement that we've, we've been talking about. So I've got some figures here from from Hargreaves Lansdowne that illustrate the the benefit of starting early um, and the difference that that can make over time. It also it also uses um, the figure of twelve percent of of your salary, so so slightly above that that uh, minimum auto enrolment level of eight percent. So if you earn thirty thousand pounds and you start saving twelve percent of your salary each year from the age of thirty five until you reach sixty eight, you'll end up with a pension worth two hundred fourteen thousand pounds and a pre tax annual income of around twenty thousand eight hundred pounds. But if you start saving the same percentage, that 12% at the age of 25, so 10 years earlier, you'll end up with a pension worth £314,000 and an annual income of around £25,300. So that's nearly £5,000 a year more. 12% does seem a lot, doesn't it? In actual fact, 12% is what experts, I know that the Association of British uh, Insurers recently actually recommended that the minimum uh, auto-enrolment contribution level was increased to that amount because there are concerns Mm. that people just aren't putting away enough. Bear in mind that with auto-enrolment, that that figure is uh, is partly made up from from your employer. And actually, it's, it's... important to remember as well that some employers will match your contributions if you choose to increase um, the percentage that you're putting in. So you could end up saving a total of 12% of your salary into your uh, into your pension, but 12% isn't necessarily coming out of your pocket. Bear in mind that we've got the benefit of tax relief as well when you save into a pension. We haven't really touched on that this, this episode. 
Tax relief, of course, is one of the things that makes saving to a pension such a good idea. It's 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 a big incentive. Um, so you know, at the basic rate of tax, we're talking you know every eighty p you put into your pension, the government is going to top that up by an extra twenty p. Um, so 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 that all really adds up. So yeah, Lucia, to your point, twelve percent doesn't necessarily need to be as daunting as as it sounds, but um, I think we could all do re- with reviewing exactly what we are paying into our pension and see if there's anything we can do to up it a little bit. And all of those contributions that we make, they're invested, aren't they? So can we just touch on how they're invested and and on risk here? Because the closer you are to retirement and needing to access your funds, the less risky you'll want your investments to be, right, Paul? Yes, it's a fundamental point to remember that if if you're if you've got a so-called defined contribution pension which we mentioned earlier, your your money is invested in pension funds. So this is um, it's either directly in shares or via collective investments such as investment trusts, unit trusts, um, open ended investment companies. So that money will go up and down depending on the performance of the stock market, and quite often it will be your your pension company or the trustees of your workplace pension that will decide where that money is invested that there are certain other types of self-invested pensions where you get more control and you can choose the funds specifically but you should be aware that your money will go up and down in value depending on on where it's actually placed it may be that you're happy to instruct to take more risk in the early years where if there are drops in in the value of your investments those can be recouped over over the decades it's likely to be a different situation as you're approaching retirement if you're 10 to 5 years away from your particular retirement um, date for example and you 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 may want your money put into less risky investments such as bonds or cash so there's not a sudden drop in your pension pot just before retirement at the moment some people are facing exactly that they've still got their money invested the stock market has has dropped markedly for for many reasons and that's slightly unavoidable but this this put putting money into safer haven investments is, is sensible and is is still undertaken by lots of pension companies so that's that's something that that will help ensure that your your money doesn't go off a cliff as you're you're approaching retirement on this point, Paul, the figures we've been running through today take into account the current state pension age, which is 66. It is still creeping up, however, and is set to rise again to 67 by 2028. But research from Legal and General, one of the biggest pension providers in the UK, shows that over a third of people in their late 50s and early 60s say they will delay retirement for up to a year as a result of the current financial crisis. And shockingly, one in 10 think they will never retire at all. To to find out more, we've been speaking to Emma Byron, Managing Director of Legal and General Retirement Solutions. We commissioned some research at the end of May, so we ran over a month, uh, interviewing 4,000 UK adults, so a cross-section of the population. Starting at the top level, around about two-thirds of UK adults 
think that the cost of living will have an impact on their future plans. So if you extrapolate that out, that's about 33 million people having concerns that their future plans will really be impacted. And then in terms of specifics around retirement, about 45% of people who had dreams for retirement think they'll have to put them on hold. And of those that are really in that crucial decade right before retirement, there is about 38% of people expecting that they'll have to delay retirement. So that's that's really quite upsetting for people if you're thinking you're going to be retiring soon and you're having to delay it. So we would just say sort of keep calm, uh, take stock of your position um, and think of the positive. At least you could hopefully still keep contributing to your pension, which might mean when you get to retirement, you'll have a better time. But I think the one that really stood out for me, and I really hope this doesn't happen um, to me, is that more than one in 10 people, so about 12 percent of people think they're never likely to retire at all, which is which was quite shocking um, when, when I read that. Thank you to Emma for chatting with us and finishing with what is a very stark reminder of the the difficult situation many people are facing. For anyone struggling to meet monthly bills, contributing to a pension might just be out of the question. But if you are able to put aside any savings, and as we've heard today, it's never too late to start doing it. Can we end here, Jenny Paul, with your advice and tips to help maximise your pension contributions? Well, I will start by just reiterating the point I made um, a a moment ago about um, seeing if your employer will pay in more if you decide to increase your contribution, because I know it can can be difficult to to be proactive and to to part with with more Mm. of your um, more of your sort of monthly take home pay. But um, if your employer is going to going to match it, then that that should galvanize you to um to to, to just to just go ahead um also um increasing your contribution every time you get a pay rise or a new job that's um a really neat way of doing it because it because it means you're not really going to feel the impact of having done it and and your your pension pot will just be steadily um building up in the background with with no hit to your um you know the disposable income that, that you're used to the other point i just wanted to make is that We've talked a lot about workplace pensions and the benefit of auto enrolment, which means that many, many more people are now saving for retirement. But that crucially only covers people who are employed um, and 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 also, as I said, employees that meet the um, £10,000 annual earning threshold and who are over 22. But if you are self-employed, there is no equivalent provision for you. It's it's much trickier um, to, to keep everything on track for retirement because you're not going to be automatically enrolled into a pension scheme and you're not going to be benefiting from employer contributions either. You will crucially still benefit from tax relief on any contributions you make. So you will still reap all of the benefits of saving for a pension, but it's on you to set up your, your own one. So it just requires that extra level of, of proactivity. And, and unfortunately, um, it's it's perhaps no surprise that there there is a real concern around levels of, of, of self-employed um, pension savings. So if, if you are in that boat, um, it, it, it's really worth looking at your, your options and even, even just a really small contribution, however much you can afford, um, is, is going to make a difference. And a few few tips to finish from me. Um, it's worth repeating again the point about, you know, start saving into a pension early. I know there's other pressures on your money, but don't try not to opt out of your auto-enrolled pension because, it, you know, it will build up rapidly over the years. Secondly, you know, don't cut your contributions if you can. There's other pressures, but hopefully the money will 
automatically come out of your your salary each month and it, it may be the case that over years you, you don't notice that money going so it's sort of hidden in a good way so if you can leave that untouched please do um, a third point is d- don't get dispirited if you're looking at your your pot size at the moment and it might be dipping because it there are turbulent times out there but over the longer period it will continue to build up it will be invested wisely and your contributions will really make um make a difference to your to your fund and finally leave your money invested in your pension as long as you can it it may be a case that you have to delay your retirement for a couple years or work on longer for two years but as well as getting extra wages for for that period your pension will still be building up. Huge thanks to Paul and Jenny for coming on the show today and to you for listening to this week's episode of the Witch Money Podcast. If you have any questions you'd like us to cover in the show or even dedicate an episode to, then please do let us know in the comments wherever you're listening to the podcast or drop us an email at podcast at witch.co.uk. Please do also subscribe to the show to make sure you catch us again next week. And for more money news and advice, find us on social media at Witch Money and online at witch.co.uk forward slash money. This episode of the Witch Money podcast was produced by Rob Lilly with additional support from Ian Aikman and Grace Witherden.